two. Wolves' six-game winning streak is snapped tonight in New Orleans. I got Wolves expert Jack Borman to help me break it all down, and it's all coming up next on the Lockdown Wolves postcard. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Wolves moved to 17-5. and They dropped this one tonight versus the Pelicans, 121-107. What's happening, everyone? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves Postcast episode right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And before we jump into all the action from tonight, quick reminder, tonight's episode is brought to us by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash NBA and use code, all lowercase, NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, Jack, let's jump right into this one. Lots to cover. This was a battle right from the jump. They fall short, though, 121-107. It's the first time we've even been able to say that sentence in a while. Zion and company, just kind of too much tonight for the Wolves. No Anthony Edwards. And, I mean, no Ant. We say this all the time in the sports world, though. Like, when one guy goes down, it's an opportunity for others to rise up. You kind of figured, all right, Cat was going to have to shoulder the load tonight. But you also knew it was just going to be – a battle versus a, a finally fully healthy Pelican squad. And I kind of came into this one thinking this was just going to be a good test for this team. Let's see what they can do against a team that's coming in hungry. They're talented. Let's just start, though. Big takeaways, major headlines from this one. What do you got? Yeah, I think obviously it was just one of those games where you really miss Anthony Edwards, right? It was a game where, where Carl Anthony Towns really had it going um, early on. They did a great job of playing through him um, and, and really getting him the ball in spots where he could attack on the floor, which was obviously great. Um, but beyond Carl Anthony Towns and Mike Conley, who scored 34 points on 11 of 22 field goals uh, combined, uh, the rest of the starters – um, 20 points on eight of 24 shooting. So, so not great there. I mean, they did get a lot of production, you know, out of the bench, 53 points, which I, I haven't checked, but I'd, I'd be shocked if that wasn't a season high for the Timberwolves. Um, and you know, Troy Brown, it was a tough night for him. Two of nine, one of seven from the floor. Um, Nikhil Alexander Walker, two of seven from the floor, one of uh, four from deep. So, uh, they just need more production from the starters. And I guess it kind of exposes a little bit you know, how thin the Wolves are in the backcourt beyond, at least from the, in the scoring department beyond Anthony Edwards. Um, and then the fouls was just a huge thing. The Timberwolves just really struggled to defend without fouling. I thought that, um, you know, it was a pretty inconsistent whistle just with how tight it was at times and how loose it was at other points, just kind of hard to adjust to. I mean, you had Carl Anthony Towns, um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Rudy Gobert, all with four fouls, um, you know, by the by the nine-minute mark or so of the third quarter, which just made it tough. Um you know, the, the, the Pelicans uh, out, or excuse me, uh, got to the free throw line um, 40 times to so the Wolves 19. It's a pretty big discrepancy. And that plus 17 was really the, and, and free throws made was really the difference in this one. I mean, when you look across the board, uh, total shooting was was 48% for New Orleans, 44 for the Wolves, 37% from deep from New Orleans, 36% from deep from uh, for the Wolves. I mean, rebounds, assists, points in the paint. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff was really, really similar. And the free throw line was, was just ultimately the difference in this game. And, 
You know, you got to credit Zion Williamson and, and Brandon Ming, Brandon Ingram for for getting the free throw line and combined 21 times. You know more than the entire Wolves team. So um, just comes down to to being able to stay disciplined against a team with um, you know two really really forceful scorers, and they just weren't able to do that. It's something the Wolves have done really well all year long, especially um, Gobert inside. And whether they were due for a night like this or um, you know, New Orleans was New Orleans was just pretty charged up after you know getting absolutely throttled in Vegas by the you know Lakers, and they had three days rest coming home. You know, probably uh, a lot, a lot of you know things have been said about Zion Williams in the last seventy-two hours. So, um, you know, just kind of a confluence of of things that I guess worked against the Wolves. But you know, the good news is they have a couple of days off here, and and totally would expect that Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels and and everybody will be ready to go. Um, you know, come come Thursday against Dallas. Yeah, well said. And I mean, you kind of touched on it. No player with more than 17 points tonight. Cat, Conley, Nas Reed, all tied for that lead. And you're right, just a frustrating night all the way around for the Wolves. And something we don't see a lot with this team, giving up as many points as they did. I guess just in general, what was the big issue tonight? Because the Pelicans shot 50% from the floor, and that's that's just kind of uncharacteristic from this defense. What they have the most issues with, and is it something that has the potential to be exposed now, or is it just kind of an off night tonight? I know you mentioned the fouls playing a huge factor. Anything more than that from what you saw? Well, I mean, Zion Williamson was 13 of 17 from the floor, and all 13 came within five feet of the rim. So That'll do it. That'll do it. That's certainly part of it. Um, you know, it's pretty rare that you have, you know, a team in the NBA that has three really, really high-level scorers that love to attack different parts of the floor, where C.J. McCollum's a great three-point shooter off the dribble and, and off the catch. Uh, Brandon Ingram's a phenomenal isolation scorer in mid-range, and then Zion is – you know, probably the most dominant player we've seen in the NBA since prime Shaq, uh, just in terms of physical dominance with his rare blend of, you know, size, strength, explosiveness, first step, uh, the way he can grab rebounds and go up faster than probably anyone in the history of basketball uh, on second chances. Um, and then his touch around the rim is obviously phenomenal. Like it's just rare to see a guy that forceful um, with that touch. And and I think it's just something that the Timberwolves haven't really seen at all this season. There's not really a guy like Zion, um, you know, that has that, has that type of, of, you know, blend of a skill set. And, and I don't think, I, I don't really think it's a feature. I think it's more of just a bug um, in that, you know, it's just such a, such a rare player. And, you know, and he, he really decides to take over the game like that. I don't really think it matters who's guarding him. Right. I, it's just, this is a force of nature. And I mean, there were plenty of plenty of those shots where the Wolves were right there and, and contested it really, really well. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, something you could probably do is is sit on his spin move a little bit more, you know, whenever yeah. he drives right. And Jim Pete was all over this. I mean, you know, anytime you flip on Zion, he drives to his right, he wants to spin back to his left. And, and the Wolves just didn't do a good enough job of taking that away. Um, so I, I think, yeah, it's just more of a the Zion factor than anything else. I mean, we've seen... Seen the Timberwolves uh, defend the Pelicans pretty darn well um, in, in games without Zion, and um, but obviously with him back, they're just a completely, completely different animal, especially in the offensive end. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned it too. We got our first Jaden McDaniel sighting in this one. He was a sight for sore eyes coming off the bench for Nah. In fact, I think it was the last time we saw him was in this same building. He stepped on Cat's foot, missed the next ten games. Questionable coming in, game time decision makes his long-awaited appearance. I guess, what would you see from him in his first game back? And and what does a, a fully healthy Jaden McDaniels do for this team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, another 
you know, you know, really big, long body that you can put on opposing uh, lead ball handlers, right? I think, you know, the Pelicans are kind of an odd matchup for the Wolves where it's like, do you really want to put Carl Anthony Towns on, on Zion? Do you want to put Jaden on him? Would you rather put Jaden on Brandon Ingram and then just kind of throw different guys at Zion and see what happens? Um, you know, it's it's just kind of a, a tough thing to uh, to suss out, I guess, if, if you're a, you know, Timberwolves coach trying to come up with come up with those matchups. But I mean, for Jaden, it's just, you know, a, another really elite perimeter defender. Right. And you can never have too many of those in the NBA game. But I think, you know, everyone wants to talk about his defense, but I think his his offense is really, really important as a guy that can attack mismatches, you know, get to his spot in the mid range and, and shoot over guys. He's an excellent transition finisher. Um, he does a great job cutting. That's something that the Timberwolves have really, um, you know, missed offensively, especially off of Carl Anthony Towns in the post. And that was something that we saw the Timberwolves really struggle with tonight was trying to help Carl and give him outlets when he got doubled in the post in the second half. Um, so he's big there. And then, you know, we saw him make a couple of huge threes on that run that they went on in the third quarter to try to, you know, tie things up or excuse me, try to get back in the game. And, um, and so he was big with that. I mean, the biggest thing for Jaden is, you know, he's just kind of got to shoot his way shoot the rust off a little bit. I think he started like two of seven or two of nine or something like that and finished five of 12. So as the game went on, he really kind of settled in, made some really nice plays. And, um, you know, the hope is that, uh, you know, he'll just continue to to kind of keep building and find that offensive rhythm and, you know, hopefully be a guy that can kind of dispel some of the offensive struggles that they had in the starting lineup, um, you know, alongside guys like Carl and, and Ant once he's back. But, um, yeah, just tough to tough to find scoring on a night like tonight, especially when when Carl, you know, only has two points in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just kind of need more from your teammates. And there were plenty of times where, you know, Carl created open shots for guys and they just missed. And, you know, you're going to have those nights and um, I don't think they're going to dwell on it too much. I think they'll, you know, hopefully get Ant back on, on Thursday and, and rally the troops and, and be ready to go again. Yeah, well said. And again, nice to see McDaniels back out there. Saw J-Mac back on the court, uh, you know, a little bit more and more each game. When you think about what we've seen so far this year, and then you think about just the lineups and different rotations they've been doing it with, what does this team look like when they finally fully get healthy? And, and I guess, too, do you think it takes some time to kind of re-gel together or are you kind of expecting a pretty fast, smooth transition? Because you mentioned it, like, Jaden back tonight, that was great, flashed a little bit, but you mentioned it, too, like, showed some signs of rust at times throughout the night. So how long, I guess, until we should expect for not just this team's fully healthy, but gelling, showing that chemistry on the court together as well? Yeah, I don't think it should take long at all, frankly. Okay. I mean, you know, Jaden has missed, I, I want to say, like the last eight or nine games prior to tonight. But outside of that, they've been very healthy the whole entire season. Timberwolves have had phenomenal injury luck on, on both sides of the coin in terms of their own team being very healthy. And they've played a lot of teams that have, you know, had stars missing or, or key players missing uh, when they've played the Wolves. And, and obviously, you know, you can't control the second part of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, they had the whole – you know, preseason training camp together. Um, obviously, Jaden got hurt, but, uh, you know, practiced with the team and, and then played, you know, a good chunk, 10 or 15 games or whatever it was with the team before he got hurt. So, um, you know, there, there shouldn't be any growing pains. I think if anything, it's just going to be on uh, Ant and Jaden as individuals to kind of work off some of their rust, um, just in terms of simply making shots and kind of finding a rhythm, just because you can't really, you know, simulate that game you know, kind of adrenaline and feel and, um, 
you know, and shooting in those environments. Um, but, but outside of that, at least as a team defensively, all that should come really easily considering you know, how much the coaching staff has kind of messed with rotations a little bit and tried to find different two and three and four and five man combinations. Um, a lot of different guys have played together in a lot of different types of lineups. Um, you know, they're all guys that have been in this system now for over a year and have played with each other, um, obviously outside of Milton and Troy Brown Jr. But those are two guys that are veterans that, you know, by now understand everybody and, and fit well with everybody. And um, so it should be it should be pretty quick. Um, but, you know, who who knows? It's you know, it's a situation, too, where, you know, you'd like to think because they played the Mavericks, what was it, two or three times in the mm-hmm. preseason because of that Abu Dhabi series that. You know, it's a team you understand pretty well. You can flip on the Good film, point. see how you played. They played really, really well in those two games. Um, and Dallas is a tiny team, so it's a great matchup for them. Uh, and they probably won't have Kyrie Irving, who had a nasty foot injury. Um, the other night, his own teammate fall on his right foot. Mm. He did not play um, tonight. I think they were playing tonight. So, um, yeah, it should be it should be a good bounce back spot too, and and, and a good opportunity for for these guys these guys to kind of get their wind and and get used to playing with one another again. You talked about how special kind of unique Zion is, man. I That was wild. Just sitting down for four full quarters and watching that man. He, he is, oh, you, you tell me when healthy Zion is a top what player in the league? Like where does he rank among the best of the best right now? Now that we got a big sample size from him over the last few years. I'd comfortably say seven, but his ceiling, like when he has everything going on, like, he is, he can play like the best player in the NBA on, on given nights. Like just what he does to a defense, it makes you feel so helpless in a way that, you know, all the greats in the NBA do. Um, you know, I've seen Steph, I've seen Giannis, I've seen Jokic, I've seen Luca, LeBron, um, you know, Embiid, you know, mm-hmm. all these great players up close and personal, you know, sitting in, in media seats in that, you know, it's second, third row, whatever it is. Um, I've never seen anyone like Zion Williamson. That's um, wild. Yeah. He is he is the most breathtaking, you know, make you kind of stand up and say holy bleep um mm-hmm. type of athlete that that you could find in the NBA. Um and tonight was a perfect example of it. Just the way that he's able to elevate over guys. Like there were a couple finishes when the Wolves went zone after Gobert got his fourth foul in the third quarter where Zion just totally got up and over Nas Reed and Nas is like four inches taller than him. And he's still just like his vertical is insane. He's a hurricane. Dude. I, I, yeah, I think they, was a, they said it on the broadcast. He's a was, hurricane, man. That was yeah. such a perfect term because everyone else just gets washed away in mm-hmm. that the way, the force and the violence and the, you know, beautiful, just aggression that he plays with just totally wipes everyone away. And everyone gets caught up in it. I mean, your defense is all out of sorts. And then the, on the offensive end, you know, the crowd is totally into it because of what he's doing on the offensive end. And you just kind of rush and kind of let everything slip away. And uh, it's just, it's, I mean, obviously not fun, like, you know, for Wolves fans to see that happen, but just in terms of like players who I enjoy watching the most, he's up there with just about anyone. Yeah. Um, well, 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 on said, nights when sure. he chooses to play well, it, for, sure. for Zion, it is not a, Oh, he had an off night. It is consistent. He did not choose to give it all he has. Cause when he gives it all he has, he's dominant every single night. 
still trying to wrap my head around how that Lakers team dismantled this Pelicans team in that what was a 133-89 beatdown in the in-season tourney just a few nights ago. Um, Pete right. didn't want to play. I'd imagine uh, uh, there were uh, some activities the night before and he didn't That's what it comes down to. <laughs> yep, somebody had to say it. You're right. All right. Um, I want to talk about more tonight and just what you saw. But first, quick word from our sponsors over at Prize Picks. Tonight's postcast is brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is without a doubt the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy because you can win up to 25 times your money this basketball season. Why I love it. It's just so easy to play. All you got to do is select two or more players and pick more or less than their projected stats on any given night. Plus, Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all season long. And with the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. That's huge. So in any game your player gets hurt in the first half, doesn't return, that player gets rebooted on your bet slip. That makes Prize Picks the only daily fantasy platform around that offers you injury insurance to give you that extra peace of mind. Right now, go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA at prizepicks.com slash NBA for a 100% bonus deposit match up to $100. All right, let me start back up here because this team has been getting some monster third quarters and and it's really been one of the big differences from last year to this year. I know that they did have the major swing tonight like we're used to seeing. Still a three-point advantage, 34-31, thanks to a, that J-Mac buzzer beater. But in general, last year's third quarter net rating was minus 4.4. This year, it's plus 3.9. So that's over an eight-point swing, which has, again, legitimately been a night and day difference. So what are you seeing when it comes to this kind of big swing in play from your eyes in that third quarter? What's kind of been the catalyst? Yeah, I think, you know, this is kind of what happens when you have a really veteran-laden team, right? Is like it's just a yeah. bunch of guys that are able to hold each other and co- hold each other accountable and feel really comfortable, you know, being able to adjust on the fly, right? That that just kind of check their egos at the door, are willing to admit what mistakes they make um, and are super receptive to coaching, right? I think that in you know, this team has uh, – the personnel to play a lot of different ways, which is really important. Um, and, you know, when you have the personnel to do it, a lot of the guys are veterans. They're able to play in a lot of different defensive schemes and concepts and throw different things at the opponent, um, you know, without really losing a step or missing a beat on the defensive end of the floor. I think that's really important because that just grinds teams down, right? You know, I think we've seen the Wolves play a lot of man-to-man um, concepts, uh, whether that be drop or switching or whatever um in the first half and then they've been willing to throw zones at teams in the third quarter to try to muck up the game and um you know really use their length to you know kind of swarm ball handlers and and make passes really tough and force teams to shoot um you know jumpers uh and it's worked really really well so that's been that's been a huge part of their their third quarter success as well and then you know i think that um you know, I think part of it too is just really trusting in in the way that they like to play, right? I think it'd be really easy um, to try to do something totally different and reinvent the wheel um, coming out of the half. But I think that you know all these guys really trust one another and, and trust the you know the system and the schemes that they have in place, and um, and really stick to the 
the game plan and, and what these coaches draw up for them really, really well. And and they'd never panic. I mean, you, you had every reason to panic tonight in that third quarter when Rudy goes out, Carl's struggling, Na, Na goes out, um, you know, and they had to play, they had to play kind of some funky lineups, right? I mean, you look at who they had out there the last, um, the last four minutes and change of the third quarter, you had Jordan McLaughlin, Shake Milton, Jaden McDaniels, Kyle Anderson, and Nas Reed, right? A really funky lineup, but they just kind of, you know, banded together and, 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 you know, played some really tough defense forced some turnovers and, and made some really timely shots to cut into that game and make it a four point game at the end of the third quarter. Right. And I think that, you know, just no matter what the scoreboard says, um, no matter what's going on in the game, that these guys just trust each other and stick together and, 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 you know, follow, you know, follow their coaches directives. And I think that, you know, as long as your coaches are, are telling you the right things, right. Cause that's, that's important. Um, they could be leading you astray, but that's obviously not happening here. And I think, um, you know, that's where you're seeing all the kind of things on paper that make sense about this team. You know, they should be a mature team. They should be able to play a lot of different ways. They should be able to, you know, understand and make these changes on the fly. Like you're seeing a lot of these things on paper um, become a reality. And that's what's really important. And that's also not only benefiting them in the third quarter, um, but also in the fourth quarter as well. I think they're one of their five, five or six best um, teams in the league, especially once, um, things get tight in the clutch, um, you know, within five points under five minutes to go. So, uh, it's been, been really fun to see that. And, and hopefully, you know, that's something we'll, we'll continue to see in pretty high leverage moments, uh, for the rest of this month against a bunch of playoff team, playoff caliber teams, and then hopefully, you know, down the stretch of the regular season into the playoffs. Yeah. I'm with you, by the way, I, I think you nailed it. Like Mike Conley, just watching him, you, you can just see it. It's almost like his veteran presence alone just won't allow anyone else to lose that energy when they're out there, lose that focus like they did so many times last year. So him running the offense and being that leader along with Rudy having just a full year here under his belt. I know it's cliche, but it's true. It makes it, it, it truly has made a difference. I think it's almost like these older veteran players just don't let the rest of the team lose that focus like they did so many times last year. And if they do, like you said, it seems like it never lasts more than a few minutes with these guys. And and speaking of Rudy, too, I mean, we touch on him every time you and I are together. I know he didn't have his best performance tonight by any means, but in general, really the last five games specifically coming into tonight, how special has he been? Because, again, you and I haven't talked Wolves in a minute. Give me your quick two minutes on Rudy coming into this game over those last five performances. Yeah, I just think that he's playing the most confident basketball he's ever played. Yeah, right? well said. And I think, and I think that – you know, we always talk about confidence as an offensive thing, right? But but we've but it's really been there as a defensive thing. Like he's been taking a lot of these one-on-one matchups personally. Um, you know, he's been totally comfortable switching out into space. Um, you know, taking on these one-on-one matchups. He said it all the time in the locker room and during post-game interview sessions, saying like, "I want guys to stay home on shooters because you need to trust that whoever I have going up one-on-one against them, like I'm going to win that matchup defensively." And he's been winning a lot of these matchups defensively. And then on the glass, I mean, his activity on the offensive end, just making every defensive rebound tough, uh, the way he's been able to tap the ball out, create second chances for guys has been great. And I think obviously the health has been really important too. And that like, you know, we didn't see him play above the rim a whole lot last year. And that was something we saw a ton in Utah and that spread pick and roll, get the ball up in the air, Rudy would throw it down. Um, we've seen a ton of alley-oops to Rudy Gobert and a ton mm-hmm. of put-back dunks that we just didn't see last season. And I think that's obviously super important. Um, and obviously it really helps too that like all these guys know where to get on the ball now. Um, you know, you know, 
whether that's on the roll or when he kind of crosses the front of the rim in a little post up and he can catch it and just kind of drop step and just dunk on people. Um, that's obviously been huge um, and something we didn't see a ton last year and, and kind of allows Rudy to, to talk a little trash and get the crowd going and, and all that stuff, which has been huge. And then obviously the defensive playmaking, um, his block and steal numbers are, are both up um, quite a bit from where they were last year on a, on a rate basis. Um, so it, everything you could ask for from Rudy Gobert and more, he's done that so far this season. And it'd be kind of crazy to me if he wasn't the front runner for um, obviously defensive player of the year, but also, you know, some of these more season long awards, when you start to think about all NBA at the center position, I mean, it's been the most important player for the Timberwolves so far in this, what is it now? 17 and five start. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I'm just, I'm just hopeful that, that, you know, he kind of gets that, that recognition that he deserves at the end of the season. Yeah. Well said Rudy's last five games coming into tonight, plus 16 plus minus 70% field goal percentage. Averaging 18 points, 16 boards, three and a half blocks, 80% from the free throw line. And if you watch Wednesday night versus the Grizz too, they had a 23-9 advantage in second chance points, which you kind of touched on as well. And one last thing I want to ask or at least point out, I guess, as good as he's been defensively, and up until tonight anyways, I should preface this, but hasn't it been amazing how little foul trouble he gets in or serious foul trouble? You would think those two would go hand in hand, but that too, I think, just speaks volumes on how impressive he's been on that side of the ball this year as well. Like, he got into foul trouble tonight. I get it, but I'm surprised that just doesn't happen more often with him, I guess. Uh, final thoughts on that one? Yeah, he's just incredibly disciplined, right? And, and I think he, he knows that he's going to make shots really, really difficult if he just goes straight up. Right. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the times he gets fouls or like the first foul he had tonight where a guy gets an offensive rebound and he's kind of out of position just by nature on a play that wasn't his fault. Like I just jumps into him and gets a foul. Right. Or, you know, it's a situation where he's going for an offensive rebound. I think he, he might honestly have more fouls going for offensive rebounds than he has like on the defensive end of the floor. I haven't looked at those numbers. That's interesting. It wouldn't, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me just because like, he's so confident that he won't get fouls that, you know? Yeah, no, that's interesting. So yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. Two more quickies to close before we wrap up. But first a quick word from FanDuel. This episode is brought to you tonight by FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when you win just a $5 money line wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any money line wager. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it. FanDuel's got it. They got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And again, it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book. Place your $5 money line wager for your chance to win $150 in bonus bets on FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. We're officially a quarter of the way through the season. Actually, even a little bit more than that, actually. And you missed last week's basketball party. I filled in for Sam hosting that show. Go check that episode out if you haven't already, by the way. And then I didn't see you all last week. I got four awards to hand out here. I want, you're the only guy who didn't get their vote in. I got Ben Beacon's votes. I got Ron Johnson's votes. I got Tyler Metcalf's votes. 
Europe, category number one. We'll, we'll rip through this rapid fire. The Wolves' best win of the year so far. Best win of the year for your Minnesota Timberwolves. Which one comes to mind first? Oh, gosh. Um, the heavy man. favorite was the Celtics. I picked the Celtics. Overtime thriller in front of the home crowd. Just the dramatics of the OT game. Uh, Ant scoring 38. Eight of their 13 points in overtime. All the back and forth drama. I picked Boston. There was a couple other votes in there as well, though. Yeah, that. I mean, it's a it's a good question. Um you know, I, I would honestly probably say one of these games that they just had no business winning, like the game against the second, uh, the, the game they won at New Orleans um, about a month ago. Um, yeah. yeah that's good. Just because I think it, it was a game that was so exemplary of why this team is different than last year's team. Um, you know, the that second game against Golden State where um you know everyone got ejected the game was just off the rails they found a way to come back when they were down and out I think was was big and then um I you know I I really enjoyed I I also really enjoyed uh that that Denver game Mm -hmm. where you know I think it just kind of confirmed everything we thought we learned about last year's playoff series um which was enjoyable and I think you know, gave everyone a lot of confidence about what this team could potentially do in the playoffs if you were to rematch with them down the line. So, um, yeah, and obviously the Boston one was great. Um, you know, no question about it. I was, you know, I wasn't at that game, but but watching it, watching it, and just seeing how how on fire Target Center was was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, those those are the ones that I I think come to mind. You named uh, the seven best ones, so can't go wrong with any of them really at this point, <laughs> right? Uh, next one up, top bench performer, quarter of the way through the season, top bench guy for the Wolves. Who you got? Yeah, I think it's got to be Nas. Um, I, I think just what he's been able to do playing the the three, the four, the five in some scenarios. Um, he's had a couple of really big scoring games, and I think he's just such a weapon that unlocks so much for this team. Um, you know, they, he provides such an advantage if a team doesn't really have a small or has a small five or doesn't really have a good defensive backup five. Um, it's just a, He's just a mismatch weapon the Wolves can continue to use to exploit other teams. Um, you know, the way that he's been able to move his feet on the perimeter has been huge. Um, he's been really, really effective both against or alongside Carl and Rudy. Uh, so that's been, that's been a lot of fun to see. And, and, you know, sometimes when, when guys get these contracts and get the, get the, get their money, you know, you, you don't see them, you know, bring the same level of intensity and effort and desire to improve. And that couldn't be anything further from the truth for, for a guy like Nas. So it's been, been really fun to see him kind of take the next step and um and really make the most of the minutes that he's been given i think because he could certainly have a bigger role elsewhere and probably more money but he i think it says a lot about Nas that he kind of knew what was in front of him role wise and money wise and he still took it and and really wanted to come back and, and be part of you know turning this thing around yeah he got the most votes i think though and this is what i said on the show the fact that there's even healthy debate here, right? The fact that you even got to think about, I think speaks volumes to what the other guys have done heading in because Nas heading into the year would probably be the odds on favor by a landslide. So again, like you said, props to Nah, TBJ, the entire bench. All right, last one real quick. Top highlight. I mean, this one's tough. You got a million go bear dunks uh, and alley-oops for that matter. You can never go wrong with Anthony Edwards, uh, dunks or jams, posterizing somebody. Something come to mind though. Oh, I, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I, I think like the car Carl's had a few that are just huge. Um, uh, 
to me, I think the game winner against New Orleans was obviously a big one. Um, he had a couple of huge shots against Golden State in that second win. Um, that that was really fun. Um, but I, I think if you're looking for just best one single individual raw highlight, I think it was that step back three that Ant had uh, in overtime, I believe, against the Celtics to make it like a seven or eight point lead. And Target Center was just on fire, and that was that was so fun to watch. So, yeah, well, well said, well said. I can't wait to go back. Once the dust settles after this year, I don't know how this whole thing's going to end up by the time it's all said and done, but go back and watch that game, man. That was, for Minnesota Timberwolves fans, that was an ESPN Classic in itself. Um, All right, you survived the gauntlet. Well done. Here's the schedule coming up, man. It's no joke. Mavs, Pacers, Heat, Sixers, Lakers, Kings. So, I mean, that's Luka, Halliburton, Jimmy, Joel, LeBron, De'Aaron Fox. That's a gauntlet in itself, man. Quick thoughts when you hear that stretch after what you saw tonight. I guess what needs to change and what needs to continue more of the same. Yeah, a lot of really incredible individual talents. When you when you think about Luka Doncic, Tyrese Halliburton, Jimmy Butler, if he plays, uh, Joel Embiid, um, <laughs> LeBron James, Anthony Davis, De'Aaron Fox, and then Shay, Luca. I mean, from now until Murder's a week. Row, from, from now yeah. until a week, or excuse me, from now until a month from tomorrow, every single team the Wolves play is a is a playoff caliber team, um, and so and most of those games are on the road. So yeah, it's the toughest remaining schedule uh, of the month of December, I guess. Yep. For the Wolves, I think it's I think insane. we saw the average win percentage like sixty point five on the broadcast is what I saw. Yeah, I was told um, at, at the beginning of the season the tough stretch. We've already gone through that and we did very well, but now I, okay, I'm finding out different. And obviously ebbs and flows throughout the season, so yeah, uh, that yeah, makes sense. It, but but yeah, it, it, it's it, gonna be tough. And it was kind of right out of the gates, right? Like once you got to Thanksgiving, it settled down a little bit for for two weeks or so, and now it's really ramping back up. And then, I mean, yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting. I mean, this is a great thing too about starting seventeen and four is that if you go five hundred the rest of the season, right, you're looking at a team that's like forty seven and thirty five, and that's good enough to that's almost always good enough to host a first round playoff series in the West. And so, I think this is another time where if the Timberwolves go 500 in between now and January 10th, you know, then, then you're looking at, uh, you know, games against, uh, man, you're looking at games then against like Portland and Detroit and Charlotte and Washington, San Antonio, you know, some of these teams like, uh, you know, you just have bought yourself so much margin for air, which is really, really important. And um, is just something that cannot be overstated. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it just kind of, I think, takes the pressure off of the Timberwolves in a way where I think they just can go out and play and find out about themselves. And it's not like they have to think super hard about like, oh, gosh, well, if we don't, you know, win X amount of games or if we don't get to this mark or whatever, or if they get below 500 or something like that, then you start hearing trade rumors and can they keep this team together and all those things. And, you know, the the fast start that they got out to, I think, just really quieted all that and throw all that out the window as a possibility um, that a stretch like this could, could potentially create if they didn't get out to a hot start. So um, yeah, I mean, credit to the wolves for, for really taking the first, you know, six, eight weeks of the season really seriously and, and getting out to the start and, you know, given, given the fans, you know, a ton to cheer about. It's been, been a lot of fun to watch. And um, you know, I think it'll be, be really fun here to have a month or so of, you know, playoff esque basketball in terms of how intense some of these games are going to be, um, you know, for the wolves.
Yeah, well said. Well done tonight. As always, huge shout out to everyone who joined us on tonight's postcast as well. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Quick reminder as well, go check out all Jack's work on Twitter, at Borman 13 Anything we should be on the lookout for, anything coming up on Canis Hoopus of late that maybe Wolves fans should keep an eye out for. Yeah, I'll be covering a lot of these games, a lot of previews. Um you know, in between now and, and Christmas, which will be fun. Um, we'll have some more time to to dive into that and, and hopefully have a few columns coming up about some things that I've seen um, for the first quarter of the season here um, in the next week or 10 days or so, which should be fun. So we to have some back from, back from vacation and going to have some some time here to to unload some of the, the content clip, especially with the Wolves having, um, you know, some nice breaks in between in between some of these games coming up here. Love it. Can't wait for that. Next on deck, we got the Mavs this Thursday in Dallas. Tip-off 7.30 Central Standard Time. Again, join us right here for the entire recap. And follow all our work over on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. One more plug. If you haven't already, you got to go check out Ben Beacon over on the Locked On Wolves podcast as well. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.